Well, good morning. Good morning. It's a joy to have you worshiping with us this morning at First Baptist. Uh, just a few things to call your attention to in the worship guide on the announcements page. Discipleship University begins uh, this coming Wednesday. Uh, you can see the many classes that are being offered. And then on the page that's titled Weekly Schedules, you can see where the classes are meeting, uh, what times they're meeting, and um, just a bunch of other different information uh, about the church as we spring into the new year. Well, are you ready to worship this morning? Amen. Amen. Our call to worship this morning uh, is a new one as we start a new year and a new month. It's out of Psalm 136. It's verses 1 through 3. Uh, read this along with me as it's on the screen. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning 
And we do give you thanks that you are the God of God and the Lord of Lords. And we just pause this morning and ask that you be among us as we are gathered, as we gather to worship you, gather to worship you through your word, through song, and through the preaching of your word. I just ask this morning that you open our minds and open our hearts as we come into your house this morning to sing praises to you and to worship you, because you alone are worthy of our praise. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And Gary Smith is going to come and read our scripture this morning. Good morning. Scripture reading today is from Matthew 5, 1 through 12. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowds, he went up onto the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Stand and join our voices as we joyfully sing the solid rock, hymn number 511.
sing hymn number 456, How Firm a Foundation. Jesus. But this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now his commands are not a burden, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is, this is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes in Jesus and all these things are more than right victorious through him who loved us. Today, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hymn number 499, Victory in Jesus.
pray with me? Father, we come to you and we are thankful for victory in Jesus. Father, we're thankful for your love that you loved us so that you sent your son so that we may have a relationship with you and eternal life with you. Father, I pray this morning that as we open your word, as we dive into these letters that we have from heaven, that we that we might pause and just think of the great love that you have given to us and that you call us to show and be light to others in this dark world. Be with us now as we hear your word. Move me out of the way, Father, and let only your word be heard. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, once again, good morning. It is a joy to be with you. It is a joy anytime John asked me to uh, preach for him. This morning, we are going to be in Romans chapter 16, the very last chapter of Romans. We're going to look at verses 17 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that. And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of the reading and preaching of God's Word. Paul says, starting in verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught and avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ with their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. The book of Romans is often categorized as one of everyone's favorite books of the New Testament. John often uh, cites it as his favorite book. I, I love the book of Romans. It's not my favorite book, um, but I do love the book of Romans. And chapter 16 often gets overlooked as we look at the grander scale of Romans. We think of Romans 7, 8, 9 of the big awesome theology that Paul lays to us when we read through Romans. But Romans 16 mingled in with the personal greetings and the final doxology that Paul gives in 25 and 27 are a few short verses that remind us what the entire book is about. And those are verses 17 through 20. Paul is finishing up this letter to the church in Rome, and he's, he's finishing up to a church that's been in great distress due to the Roman government. He's, he's finishing up this letter as we are able to see what great theology Paul has come to learn, and what great theology Paul is calling us to learn. Paul does many things throughout the book of Romans, but one thing that he does often is he appeals to those that are going to be hearing this letter read aloud. This would be brought to the church, and it would be read aloud as one whole letter, not divided up as we have it before us, but it would be read aloud to the church, and the church then would be allowed to ask questions of the letter. They would be able to dissect further parts of the letter that they had most interest in. And I think the reason why Paul uses these last few verses is to have the eyes open wide of the church in Rome. Just as we're wide-eyed as we start a new year, we come to the new year with resolutions. We come to the new year with hopes as we launch into the new year, and I know some of my New Year's resolutions are already out the window, and we're only seven days into the new year. But Paul's hope here, as he dives further into this letter, is to give one more warning, one more push to the brothers and sisters that are going to be hearing this letter. The idea of this is the overall theme of what I want to, of what I want us to look at this morning is what do we believe? Why do we believe what we believe? And what are we to do with what we believe? 
The overall point that I want to get across this morning is that we are to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, as Jude writes in his book. We're to contend for that faith in all that we do, whether it be speech, action, anything that we do, we are to be contending for the faith. These verses are broken down in three little parts, three little sub-points that I want us to look at this morning. And the first one is in verse 17. Paul writes in verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. The first thing that Paul calls us to do is to be cautious. We are to be cautious of what we're hearing. We are to be cautious of what is being taught to us. Just because someone stands before you in a pulpit, just because someone stands before you on a TV screen claiming authority does not mean they are teaching you what is right. It is our job as believers to know what the truth is. It is our job as believers to do our due diligence as we are unpacking the Word of God. It is our job to apply the words of my favorite president, Ronald Reagan, to trust but to verify or to verify what is being taught to you. And Paul is very clear that we are to lean on the one from whom all things come from. Listen to what John writes in his gospel, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning was the Word. The Greek word there for word is logos. That is used, I don't know how many times that got used in class in seminary this past semester, is we use logos. We use logos as we're opening the Bible, as we're discussing who Jesus is, because in the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was made flesh through God. Paul is wanting us to remember this as we go out into our lives, but also as we are in the church, as we are inviting those in, as we are seeing new faces, as we are delivering and contending for the faith, we are to be cautious. It is a interesting world that we live in nowadays. I had the opportunity last week to go to California. And if you want to talk about interesting, that is the state of California. We saw some of the coolest things in California, and we also saw some of the saddest things in California. One thing that really stuck out to me is we were walking up and down Hollywood Boulevard looking at the different um, stars on the Walk of Fame. There are these men that are dressed in suits, almost how I'm dressed now, three-piece suit with a tie, it's all dark. And they're handing out little pamphlets. And one thing about Hollywood Boulevard is, is everybody's trying to sell you on a deal for something. Whether it's to get on a bus to do a tour of downtown Hollywood, whether it's to come into these little knick-knack shops, whether it's to do anything. But these men were handing out something different. One of them approached us and asked us if we wanted one of the pamphlets. And I said, no, thank you. And he said, oh, no. He said, this isn't a, he said, this isn't a coupon. He said, this is something that can change. As I looked up where we were standing, we were standing in front of one of the bookstores for Scientology. And these men are walking around and they are peddling what they believe is truth. And I think what struck me the most was the amount of people that were streaming in and out of those bookstores to watch those films and to pick up those resources that they have. We're to be extremely cautious as we live in this world. But what I don't want you to think is that we're to be so cautious that we don't engage with people. That is often a problem 
when we, begun, when we begin to caution ourselves to the world is that we shut ourselves off from the world. Yes, it is important that we are around those who believe as we do and share the same beliefs and principles that we do. But it's also important that we do have friends and we do have connections with a world that is so lost and so dark and so in need of what we have. If we keep what we have locked inside our walls, we're no different than anybody else who tries to peddle anything wrong because we're not there to step in and intervene and to give the truth. Truth is a difficult subject. Truth is something that growing up I just kind of thought was the truth. You know, you tell a lie and your parents are like, no, that's not the truth. You're supposed to tell the truth in what you do. Paul gives us what the truth is. He says, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. We talk a lot about doctrine. We talk a lot about what is the right doctrine to have, what is proper doctrine to have. If you're looking for what doctrine to have, I encourage you to read the book of Romans. It sets up the major doctrines of our faith. It talks about faith. It talks about justification by faith. It talks about how we are to step out on faith and trust that Christ is going to be with us. I was studying for this and there was a quote in one of the commentaries I was reading that really stuck out to me. Uh, the commentator said, Mad dogs are put down, infectious diseases are quarantined, but evil teachers who would, de who would divide to their destruction and draw away the saints with teaching contrary to the doctrine of Christ and his apostles are everywhere tolerated. And I think that is what Paul is hitting on as he's closing out this book, is that we're not to be tolerant to something that is anti-Christ, to something that is against Christ. Here's some more fun Greek trivia for you is that I can get off of me what I learned this semester. Right here at the beginning of verse 17, watch out. That Greek word is skopeo. Skopeo is a Greek verb. It means to keep an eye on. It's an active verb, meaning that it's something that you should always do. So, we're to, so if you read this in another, if you, if you were to read this in the, in the way that the Greek is completely translated, I would say, I appeal to you brothers to keep an eye out for, in all things, for those who cause division. Always keeping an eye on those who are trying to create obstacles. Look at verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. Other translations translate that as they do not serve our Lord Jesus, but, they, but their own stomachs, their own bellies. It's those that, are, that will use... That, that will use the word that will use Christ to try to build themselves up, to try to make money for themselves, to try to fill themselves. What Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, he says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and most of all, it endures all things. That's our gospel. That is Jesus. He bears all things, he's hope in all things, and he endures all things. So what's written in Titus 3, 9 through 11, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels above the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. 
So right there, we're given the, we're given our call to action. We're given our call to contend for the faith, and we're given our call to be cautious. We are to step up, and we are to warn those, and we are to speak against those who seek to stir up division, and we are to warn those who are on, who are straying away from Christ. But we're not to do it at the sake of a continual thing. We're to do it as the Bible teaches us. We're to do it twice, and then we're going to have nothing more to do with that person. But the next section of verses, verse 19, we're called to be obedient. Look at what verse 19 says. For your obedience is known to all, so that I may, so that I, so that I may rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and as to what is evil. We're called to be obedient to the gospel and its calling on our lives. Lifeway has recently done some research on church members of why they're leaving their churches and people of why they're joining new churches. Listen to the, two, the top two reasons of why people leave churches in North America. Something changed in the church that I did not like or that did not seem right. And the second one is not fulfilling my needs. But here's what people are looking for in churches. They're looking for connection to other believers. They're looking for a place that preaches the truth. And the third most popular answer of what are you looking for in a new church is a place to serve and a place to belong. And that got me to think of what kind of church are we? Are we a church that seeks to serve and connect? Or are we a church that seeks to have our needs fulfilled? That is the question I think we need to ask of ourselves. Because how the members of a church act is how that church gets perceived. It is not lost on any of us stories upon stories of churches that have had leaders that have led their congregations into the, into the abyss. You can think of one prominent church. There's a podcast about it, about the pastor who the church exploded in growth as he was teaching six, sometimes seven times on a Sunday from Sunday morning services to night services. And as he began to become engulfed in himself and in the things the church could give him, he began to sin against the very people that he was there to serve. Obedience is not something that is taught quite well in our culture anymore. My girlfriend is a fifth grade teacher and part of the enjoyment that I get in the afternoons is to hear all the fun stories that she has with hanging out with a bunch of fifth graders. But the other part that she talks about is the just lack of respect that she and her other teachers can see. The lack of respect that we see in general for life. The lack of respect that we see in general for people's well-beings. The lack of respect that we see just in any and every aspect of our lives. And we, we sit here and we shake our heads and we go, how is that to change? Where does that change come from? Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that that change has to come from us. We're the ones with the answers. We're the ones with the model. We're the ones with the ability to go out and we're the ones with the ability to show that love is patient and that love is kind and that love is all-knowing. Obedience to the gospel. Because we have to be on guard for such persons who do not serve our Lord Jesus. It is... 
for me, it's so, it's, it's so cool in seminary because you're surrounded by so many people who love, love, love the Lord and love the gospel. And we sit around in study sessions. We sit around in different things. And we just sit and we just, and we just talk about, and, we, and we're able to just talk about the goodness of God. But we're also able to sit there and we're also able to share our heartbreaks with each other. We're also able to share our failures with each other. We're also there to be able to build one another up and to help each other contend for the faith. That is, that is why I am, that is why one of my great passions in life right now is discipleship. Discipleship is such an amazing thing that we're able to do with the gospel. Discipleship is the New Testament. Discipleship is what Jesus did. Discipleship is what Paul did with Timothy. It's been said from this pulpit many times, the two greatest things that you can have in your life is a Paul that's pouring into you and a Timothy that you're pouring into. That is the two greatest relationships that you can have as a believer. Someone that is pouring into you and someone that you are pouring into because if it's a thing where you're just being poured into and you're not pouring out, we're not living according to the gospel. But if we're just giving and giving and giving, at some point we're going to run out. It's human nature. We will run out. But here's what's so cool about obedience. Paul says in verse 19, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. Obedience is something that gets recognized. Obedience is something that gets seen. One great example to that is the generosity of this church. Just look at what we were able to do for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We not only met our goal for the Christmas offering, but we exceeded our goal for the Christmas offering. We not only met budget this year, we exceeded budget this year. That is obedience that is seen tangibly. That is obedience that is seen in, real, in a real way. But obedience that's not seen by all are those that serve tirelessly in the daycares. Those that serve teaching children on Sunday mornings in children's Sunday school and in youth Sunday school. Obedience is having conversations with those who do not know Christ. Obedience is having conversations with strangers who you just happen to be standing in line as you're ordering food. Obedience comes in large packages and obedience comes in small packages. But the amazing thing is, is that it is obedience to Christ. And that is what we're called to do. Verse 20. Verse 20 is so amazing. Verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In order for us to get to verse 20, we have to understand the ending of verse 19. To be wise as to what is good and innocent and as to what is evil. That comes with a deep understanding of Scripture and that comes with a deep understanding of Christ. That is why, again, as a huge advocate for discipleship, it is so vital that you join a Sunday school class or a small group. That is intensive time where you and other believers gather around God's word and dive deeper into what Christ is teaching us than what I or John can give you from the 30 or 45 minutes one day out of the week. One day out of the week is not enough to have us charged for what faces us in the world. Church often gets described for believers as a way to come in for a couple hours a, a, couple hours a week, recharge the batteries, and be sent back out into the world. But how much more, how much awesomer would it be? That's not great English. Awesomer is not great English. 
How much better would it be? Too, too much Greek on the brain to know great English right now. How much better would it be if you had a group that was around you that could keep the batteries on charge all week long? Whether it's sending text back and forth to encourage each other with scripture, whether it's random three or four minute phone calls just checking in on each other. Letting one another know that you're right there as you walk through some of the darkest times in life or some of the greatest times in life. We're to rejoice with those that rejoice and we're to weep with those that weep. We're not to just be with people in the good times. We're to be with people as they go through everything. That is why, it's to be, that is why we're to be wise in what is good and in what is evil. We have, as the new year rolls around, we also roll into a new election season as we gear up for a presidential election. And as believers, what we believe in often gets attacked. We're to make stands for what is right for when it comes to life and when it comes to marriage and when it comes to other things that are thrown in our ways. We're to be wise to those things. And in being wise to those things, we are obedient to Christ. But look at verse 20. Paul writes, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Verse 20 is very simple. Verse 20, Paul wants us to be encouraged. Encouragement is not something that seems in great number these days. There's so much negativity in the world. You can turn the news on and see all types of just sadness that's in our world. We, uh, we took a tour of different parts of California uh, while we were out there. and We went to Santa Monica Pier, Venice Beach, and Beverly Hills. And as you're driving through those different parts of California... You go to Beverly Hills and you see the richest of the rich. The tour guide told us the average house, the average starting house price in Beverly Hills is between 20 and 30 million dollars. But just before you get to the Beverly Hills sign, there are RVs that are parked on the sides of the road where the homeless live. And the tour guide said that he has seen a number of those uh, a number of those RVs engulfed in flames from whether it be poor electrical working or different things that have happened. Encouragement is not something that is readily available for us nowadays. But what is encouraging is the song that we sang just before we started, Victory in Jesus. What an amazing few little words. Victory in Jesus. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Flip with me real quick over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 is the story of the fall of Adam and Eve eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But look at, look at verse 14 and verse 15 of Genesis 3. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What is so amazing about this, what is so amazing even in the midst of such great sadness, is that there was already a plan to redeem all of creation. There was already a plan for me and for you, even in this 
the very first few chapters of the Bible. And then one passage of great encouragement to me is Revelation chapter 21. John writes in Revelation chapter 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And he will be with his people. And God himself will be there as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall the mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down for the words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water, of life, without payment. What an amazing, amazing image. It, it, it's, so, it's so hard to wrap your mind around that, but it's, it's so encouraging to us, a, a place where there is no more suffering, where there is no more pain. There's an old, there's a song that I love. It's called, I'm Going There. And it says, I'm going there where the streets are made with gold, where the milk and honey flow. What, what an amazing what an amazing image. What, and I have to think, I, I, this is not anywhere that I've read, but I have to think that as Paul is writing these last, few, these last few words in Romans, he's got to be thinking about his eternal reward. He's got to be thinking about the treasures that are laid up in heaven. He's got to be thinking about that day when Christ shall come. When Christ shall come to call his children home. Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So what are we to do with this? What are we to take from this? Well, I think the biggest thing that we ought to take from this is in the reverse order of how this is written. We are to be encouraged because of the doctrine that we have been taught. We are to be encouraged by the church living out its mission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We're to be encouraged when we see obedience in all things. We're, we're to be encouraged when we see the word lived out in our very lives. We're, we're to be encouraged even when we see those that at first were not of us but came to us. We're to be encouraged when the prodigals come home. We're to be encouraged when we see Christ magnified and Christ glorified. What else are we to take from this? We're to take from this that we are to know and we're to know what we believe. I thought about when I was preparing for this sermon, I thought about what am I going to title this? What am I going to title this? And it just kept coming to me, what do I believe? What do I believe? And as I was sitting there writing out my thoughts and writing down different things to prep for the sermon... It started coming to me, why? Why do I believe this? And the answer that I came to is because Christ is real for me and has been faithful to me. That's the amazing thing is when you're able to see, when you're able to see Christ's 
work in your own life, when you're able to see the work of Christ in those that are around you, that is why it makes you, that is why it makes us so eager, that is why it should make us so eager to want to fight against the things that are contrary to the gospel. That is why it should make us eager to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Whether that be right down the street or whether that be across the world. Making disciples of all nations is what we're called to do. And whether that starts in a Sunday school class or whether that starts when you're at lunch today or whether that starts when you're at work tomorrow. But living a life so that people look at you and go, what is different about them? What do they got that I don't? And how do I get it? That ought to be the question that our lives prompt to those that are around us. So in these last few moments as we get ready to close, my prompt to you would be in these final few moments as we, as we bow our heads and we reflect on what, what Paul has taught us is what are those, where are those relationships in your life? Where, where can you build relationships to share the gospel? Where can we contend for the faith? Where can we appeal to those who need Christ? So I'd ask you in these few moments as we bow our heads and we ask Christ to guide us Ask him what he would have you do. Might he be prompting you to go? Might he be prompting you to serve somewhere within our church? Might he be laying names on your heart? of people that need the gospel. Father, we come to you thankful for your word, thankful for what you have taught us, thankful that you have given us the freedom to come into your house and open and worship you openly today. Father, I pray we not take for granted the love that you display to us. Father, I pray in these moments as we are reflecting on what you would have us do, that if you were calling us to do something, whether it's serve or go or whether it's to make the decision of following you and putting our hope and trust in you that we would be obedient and faithful to your calling I ask this in Christ's name Amen We're going to stand and sing if the Lord's calling you to do something as I've harped on be obedient to what he's calling you to do Standard we sing, my faith looks up to thee.
Thank you for being here this morning. I always appreciate the love that this church offers. Um, the ushers will be at the doors. Um, remember to be faithful in your giving. Be generous. Be faithful as Christ has called us to be. And if you are in need of a Sunday school class, we can help you find one of those. I encourage you to stay and be a part of that. Ronnie, could we sing the doxology? Would that be possible? Is that possible? Awesome. Thank you all. All right, we'll sing the doxology, and then ushers will be at the doors. Uh, hope you have a great week. Thank you for being here. Thank you.